I'm Andrea, founder of a boutique handbag brand, Andy, and this is why I switched to Shopify. I tried three other platforms prior to Shopify, and I remember my breaking point was when I would try to make one little change and my entire site would go down. With the drag and drop theme editor, we don't need to hire a developer to do any coding. Each theme is automatically optimized on mobile. It's incredible. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Go to shopify.com slash listen to take your business to the next level today. You work hard in your career, and you deserve to know what it takes to get to the top. This is Everyday MBA, interviews with best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives, all sharing their best techniques and tips that you won't learn in business school. This is the show that will help you take your career to the next level. And now, here's your host, Kevin Crane. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday MBA. I'm so pleased that you're listening and so pleased to bring you this special episode of Everyday MBA with Tiffany Bova. Tiffany is a vice president and distinguished analyst with Gartner Research and an expert at high-tech sales. And if you are in the high-tech industry, either as a sales professional or as a sales executive, you will want to hear Tiffany's advice today. She was the recipient of Gartner's Thought Leadership Award in 2013 for her work on the future of IT sales. And in 2014, she was named one of the most powerful and influential women in California by the National Diversity Council and was named a Top 50 Sales and Marketing Influencer by Top Sales World magazine. You can find her in places like Forbes and the Harvard Business Review. Stay tuned after the interview for five action items that you can do starting today and for the rest of the week and beyond to begin to take advantage of the ideas and advice in this interview. And we'll hear some bonus comments from Tiffany as well. As always, you can find me and reach the show at everyday-mba.com. Listen to all of our great interviews, make a comment, or connect on social media. I'd love to hear from you. That's everyday-mba.com. Now... On to the interview. Tiffany Bova, welcome to the show. Your area of research and expertise is on high-tech sales, and you help companies with their go-to-market strategies. In your view, what is the biggest sales challenge that companies face today? Well, Kevin, I'd have to say that it is that Many executives forget to consider their sales strategies when they plan out their sort of annual uh, vision for the business. You know, the, the gap between the, the strategy and the execution in the field, I just believe, is getting larger, unfortunately, and not smaller. So I think with all companies, but more specifically tech companies, uh, the, the way in which uh, the companies need to sell, right? The technology vendors need to sell. And then more importantly, right? Really making sure that the, as the business itself transforms, that sales doesn't get forgotten and left by the wayside as just somebody who is, you know, either transacting, right? And, and minimizing their value to, to the business, uh, or they're just, you know, not engaged high enough in the organization to have a seat at the table when they're really starting to frame out uh, how they expect the company to grow in the future. Hmm. That's that's interesting perspective. I, I wouldn't have expected to hear that. I mean, sales <laughs> is fundamentally important. Um, and so any strategic planning, I would think sales would be like 
one of the number one things you'd link and work on and make sure were really vital strategies. But you say there's a big disconnect there. Why the disconnect? Yeah, it's interesting. We did we started doing some research a couple of years ago called the future of IT sales. And in one of the projects that I, I was leading, we went into tech providers and asked them, how often does product marketing slash management, marketing, um, and sales get together before a product is quote unquote developed or maybe even before it's launched. And you'd be surprised to know that the number of companies that has that as part of their process uh, is, is very small, single digits, uh, you know, in a percentage wise uh, from those that we surveyed. And so we, we started talking about what we called the connected model, right? And it really starts to pull in what's the product, who's the customer, how do they want to buy and many times they say, what's the product? And, and many tech companies are technology-led, not customer or market-led. You know, you could call out Apple as being a great sort of right. you know, customer-led organization. You've got others that are very technology-driven, where they develop technology because of the technology's sake of it. And so it gets tossed over the fence sort of to marketing to say, okay, you know, go shape and drive demand, you know, and create a brand around this product we've developed. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, and sales, you know, go sell it. And so I think that that as customer experience and customer centricity becomes more of a conversation in the C-suite as well as in the boardroom, you know, really competing that way, that connection between what's the product, who's the customer, and how do they want to buy, if you're not fully aligned before that product launches, you really risk, a, you know, a miss in the market, right? It wasn't what customers wanted. It had the wrong features and functionality. It was at the right, wrong price point. Uh, you know, it wasn't positioned competitively enough in the market with enough differentiation, right? Then you've got, you've just set sales up for uh, a much harder process, right? And, and sales cycle than they really needed to have. Wow. I'm surprised at that. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to develop products if, if you can't sell them, right? Or you're not even sure if they are going to, you're going to be successful selling them. I, I'm shocked that there isn't more linkage between the folks that are responsible for selling and the actual product development, at least at some point in that pre-development or pre-release process. Yeah, I got very specific. I mean, I asked the heads of sales, right, VPs of sales, sort of senior level sales directors on both the direct selling side and then the indirect sort of channel VAR side, right? And I asked them how often were they included in planning meetings for products during the development phase, not when it was getting ready to launch, right? When decisions were being made around maybe the features and functionality and specifications, et cetera. And, you know, I would get, well, every once in a while I might get a, you know, an ask, but it, it's definitely not something that is built into the DNA of our process. Um, and, and they get that feeling or they have that feeling, I should say, of it gets tossed over the fence, Right. Well, I expect that'll be changing. And you mentioned one of the reasons for that is that is the empowered consumer today. I mean, it used to be that consumers were pretty much companies were in control of the message going out to prospects and consumers. But now that's much different. Um, can you talk about that? What is the empowered consumer and how is today's empowered customer disrupting that traditional process? Yeah, it's a great question. Here's what I'd say. I'd say that that the advancements in technology has actually had a, um, I think it was a unexpected consequence on the way in which people buy technology. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> ironically, yeah, ironically, yes. right? And so, when you think about social, mobile, cloud, and information, which is really what what we classify around uh, the nexus of forces, um, you know, those things in combination is really what started the disruption. And you pointed out, right, this empowered consumer. And I'd say that we are all consumers in our personal lives, and and for technology vendors to expect that that consumer behavior will just magically change between nine to five, you know, when they show up at work and they buy for business makes no sense. And so really kind of B to C to B it is so wedded together now when it comes to technology and the way in which people sort of learn, explore, engage uh, in their consumer lives is now showing itself on the business side and, and that's really challenging tech providers because, as you said, uh, Kevin, it is absolutely uh, this shift in control between the seller. Uh, you know, I like to call myself a recovering seller. So I've been here for 10 years at Carter, but before that, I- <laughs> The 12-step yeah, program, Yeah, definitely. Right. <laughs> like, I am recovering. I sold tech for 15 years. And I remember when I was selling technology, right, I knew more most of the time than the customer on the other side of the table as it related to my particular technology, Right what customers right. were using it, how it could help, you know, the business value, the outcomes, all those things. Uh, it was really my job as the seller to communicate that and educate my quote unquote prospect. Today, the shift is that the buyer knows more before the seller shows up. And uh, you could argue since the advent of the web, you know, sort of really started to take off in business in sort of 2000, that that's been shifting over time. And I think what's different now is that everybody has a smartphone and all generations of buyers are using technology differently. And so while 15 years ago, um, those of us who are very close to tech feel like there's nothing really different. <laughs> those that are on the edges of tech uh, are the ones that are really uh, making the biggest impact. Well, you're talking about a need or a, a cultural shift more so than anything else. I mean, um, and you talk about the need to really reimagine the sales organization with this all in mind to build confidence and trust with buyers. I, I, you know, buyers do not trust you if they know more than you do or as every bit as much as you do and they know you're blowing smoke. So what should executives and sale le sales leaders do to to respond differently in the age of the empowered consumer. Yeah. And, and what makes this difficult is the fact that you could, you know, chase a hundred mice, right? I mean, because they have so many ways to consume information. There's so many vehicles for them to do it. You know, is it, is it a tablet? Is it a smartphone? Is it a wearable now? You know, is it your computer? Is it your TV? I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, to touch um, and engage the customers. Um, and so sales leaders, I think, are challenged by, <clears throat> I got to go where I can have the greatest success. And, uh, you know, going back to that connected comment I made a little bit ago, now, you know, if, if anybody that's listening to this is on the marketing side, I think they'll appreciate this, right? There's been this love-hate relationship between sales and marketing over time. And this new empowered consumer or modern buyer uh, won't stand for that disconnection much longer, if marketing and sales don't sort of get together and understand that marketing is in control of this content, customers decide to consume before they ever reach out to the brand. And then sales is empowered to know what that consumer has already done so that when they're in front of the customer, they, they actually 
raise the level of trust, right? Because they're not repeating things the customer already knows. They're not giving them information that is too rudimentary and they've already consumed in some way. It, it is really about the sales, uh, you know, or customer facing really, quite frankly, because I, I, you know, I believe that everybody's in, in sales in some capacity, um, that the customer facing individuals, the more information they know about a particular prospect or customer before they have that conversation, the better. The person who benefits the most out of that entire uh, conversation, right, or that entire concept is the customer. I'm speaking with Tiffany Bova. She's a vice president and distinguished analyst with Gartner Research and part of their tech go-to-market team. You can find her all over the web. Her knowledge leadership is available everywhere, Harvard Business Review, Forbes, but one good place is blogs.gartner.com slash Tiffany dash Bova. It's time for a quick break, but when we get back, I'm going to ask Tiffany about some of the other important disruptors afoot and how we should go about designing a successful high-tech sales process given those disruptors and opportunities. And stay with us later for five action items that you can do to take advantage of the ideas and advice in this interview. So stay with us. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Hi, this is Joris Merckx Benjaminson, author of Online Brand Identity and also Head of Digital Transformation at Google. And you are listening to Everyday MBA with Kevin Crane. I'm so pleased that you're listening to this podcast. If you like what I do, why not let me do it for you? My audio podcasting services give voice to your success and expertise. Do you have a happy customer? Let them tell their story in their own words. Need to get your subject matter experts heard by new clients? Let's do an interview and we'll discuss the topics at hand. Are you an author, an analyst, a C-suite leader? Let me create a custom podcast for you that gets your message out to a new audience worldwide. Want to find out more? Go to cranegroup.com. That's C-R-A-I-N-E, cranegroup.com. You're listening to Everyday MBA. My guest today is Tiffany Bova. She's a VP and Distinguished Analyst at Gartner and an expert in high-tech sales. And Tiffany, when it comes to innovation and new trends and products, things are obviously changing quickly. In just the last few years, we've seen very rapid innovation in mobile uh, technologies, cloud analytics, uh, and that's not to mention the ongoing change in influence within social media and other areas. The pace of innovation is complicating go-to-market strategies. How should manufacturers think differently about the kind of products and services they bring to market today? Well, I'd like to use this example that uh, when people talk about how sales is changing, um, I like to frame it in its context. Uh, Solution selling, you know, while it may have been called something different or outcome-based selling or providing demonstrations or winner circle or you know, a comp and variable comp on the sales side was all invented back in 1896 by John Henry Patterson, the CEO of NCR, (laughs) (laughs) right? This is a 140 year old sort of process, if you will, or 120 year old process, right? right, That we have been working on and and we constantly say, well, this is different. This is different. And and the fundamentals are, are always the same, right? You want to make sure you're adding value at each touch with the customer You want to sell outcomes and not just products. Uh, You want to solve business pains. You want to talk to the decision makers. All of those things have always been a common thread. 
But what I like to say is the most disruptive thing in the market today is actually not the technology. It is the customers, the things we've already spoken about. And I worry um, that many are not taking that shift seriously enough. And they keep thinking that existing sales models and motions and processes and tools and training and systems will continue to work as they have five or 10 years ago. Uh, and reimagining the sales force while you're as a leader, while you're also hitting uh, quota can be very difficult. So uh, I right. think the concept of reimagining sales is important, but giving yourself the freedom to test and try uh, while you also have, you know, obligations on hitting numbers uh, gets gets tough. Well, I want to ask you about that process. You talk about a linear sales process as one tool we can use to drive success. Can you briefly describe that? Well, you know, the linear sales process is what sales managers love because it helps them metric, measure, and, uh, you know, manage their sales force effectively. Did you make a hundred calls? And after you made the 100 calls, did you set up 10 meetings and did you give two demonstrations and then the next thing that you did and the next thing that you did? And, you know, that's very sort of inside out, right? That's making sure that you've got performance metrics in place so you can measure your sales force and make sure they're doing the right thing. And that linear process, unfortunately, is the way in which the sales forces have been trained and also the way in which many tools used uh, set up the process, okay. right? This, then that. Okay. But the buyer now is very fluid. And the buyer may say, you know, I've explored on your brand. I've engaged with your product. You know, I maybe tried something for free for 30 days. I didn't find what I wanted. So I went back to exploration. And then, you know, I found something I wanted. So I wanted to, you know, reach out to the provider. So I reached out to the provider and had a conversation. And then they gave me a demo. And then, Someone else got involved and I had to go back to a previous sort of step in my buying process, which is not linear. And so this right. disconnect between the sales process being linear and the buyer journey being fluid shows itself and manifests itself when a sales rep takes a customer backwards because they're following a process, you know, taking it backwards on knowledge right. they know, right? And the buyer feels completely dissatisfied with the engagement with sales because they feel like, listen, I'm already, you know, 50% through my buying cycle. Just because you're at the beginning of your sales process doesn't mean I need to go backwards, you know? So what should we do differently, Ned? Yeah, I think that, that, that one thing we've been talking about is potentially having kind of two metrics. Where the buyer is in their buying journey is different than where the sales rep is in their sales process. And those two things... Being different is okay as long as the seller is able to put those two, uh, you know, various sort of points in time, right, together to say, because of that, I'm going to do something differently. And the only way that works is if sales management doesn't hold the sales rep accountable for the linear <laughs> process. Right. That was, I was thinking that exactly. Right. Because it's, it's all great to say, okay, well, I'm going to yep. be more fluid. Yes. But then they beat you up with your quota every, you know, 30 days or whatever it is. Right. And, you know, I love to give the example that, you know, if I were working for you, Kevin, and you were my manager and a customer came to me and I knew that they were in their buying cycle, right? Maybe 60% through their buying cycle. 
but it was the first time they reached out to me. So in my sales process, I'm in step one, right? And it's time for me to enter it into my customer relationship management system or whatever it is that I manage my, it could be an Excel spreadsheet, who knows, right? So anything that's managing my sales process, <laughs> right, right? Back of a napkin, back of right, a napkin okay. whatever it is, right? And then I have to, I have to give you during our pipeline review every Monday or Friday, whatever day it may fall on, it's time for me to talk about this new account. And I have to give probability to close, right? That's sort of what those percentages are on the sales side. So it's time for probability to close. You know, we've only known each other a few minutes in this interview. And what do you think I would put that probability to close percentage at, right? If I knew the customer was at 60% and this was my first touch, what would I do? Oh, I don't know. It would depend. <laughs> Whatever made my boss happy, I think. <laughs> so I like to say, well said, Kevin, I like to say manage my manager, <laughs> right? right. Which, right. which is, I wouldn't put it at 60%, right? I'd put it at 10 or 15, Okay, sure, right? sure, right. And then, and then you're, yeah, okay. And then what happens is then everyone looks at marketing and goes, well, wow, the leads are no better than they used to be, even though we're doing all this digital work, you know, you're providing all this new content. It's not helping the pipeline velocity, but the reality is it is. But because if I had put that deal at 60, it's like white on rice or, you know, uh, you know, second graders playing uh, soccer or football, depending where you are in the world, and they all run to the ball. And my phone would ring off the hook if I entered a deal at 60% right out of the bat. Now, conversely, if I took that deal at 60 and I followed the buying process and the buyer went backwards in that and they ended up going down to 30% again, my phone would ring again because my manager would say, whoa, what happened? You were at 60, you're down at 30. You know, Tiffany's not a very good sales rep, right? She she can't get the deal going forward. She goes backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And they right. miss the truth, right? Which is, I'm not doing it. The customer's doing it. I'm happen to tell, I'm telling you the reality. And so until management all the way up, right, that the metrics used, the performance metrics, um, the pipeline reviews, the deal closure rates, you know, all start to feel more customer centric sales will continue to do what they do right because that's what you pay me to do well i hear two things customer centric and really sales centric i mean you opened this interview saying about the huge disconnect between sales and product development now there's a huge disconnect between sales and the actual reality of the customer journey so you're really getting to a big cultural shift in the way that a lot of operations operate yeah and and i think that that's why as Companies talk more about uh, customer experience becoming the new battleground, and, and Gartner's been talking about that for some time, um, that customer experience has to be more than this sort of digital connection with them. It has to really manifest itself through the entire uh, organization, and customer centricity sometimes puts a lot of ambiguity into the business, right, because you're not able to measure and manage the way you had historically. But if sales managers believe that they've had real true predictability in their pipeline over the last decade, they're, I think they're mistaken because sales reps always manage management, right? I, I want them to call me. I don't want them to call me. I'm going to sort of gauge, you know, the way I put it in my, my uh, CRM system. Well, Tiffany, it's been great speaking with you today. We're almost out of time, but before I let you go, you've given us some great advice today, but what was the best piece of advice you ever received and how has it shaped who you are? One was to con continuously invest in myself. 
uh, and take that ownership on, on my own. Um, when I was selling and I was selling into the legal vertical, you know, I immersed myself in law technology product news and I went to the legal seminars and I tried to stay up on what was going on in the legal industry. And it wasn't what was provided to me by my employer. It was that I wanted to become a student of my profession. And so, you know, I think investing, uh, the advice I got in investing in myself uh, equal or even greater than the way in which my employers invest in me uh, was a wonderful piece of advice because I think that it 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 has created um, in me right someone who's always um, starving to learn. That's Tiffany Bova, vice president and distinguished analyst at Gartner. Tiffany, thanks a lot for being my guest today on Everyday MBA. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Tiffany Bova. It's time for a quick break, but stay with me when I return with five action items that you can do to take advantage of the ideas and advice in this interview. And we'll hear some bonus comments from Tiffany as well. Five action items coming at you right after this. Hi, this is Chris Desi, author of Remarkable You. Build a personal brand and take charge of your career. And you're listening to Everyday MBA with Kevin Crane. And now a word from our sponsor. Me, Kevin Crane, and Crane Communications Group. Folks, I'm a writer, editor, and marketing communications consultant, and I've been pleased to be the written voice for some of North America's leading brands. And a bunch of great entrepreneurs and small and mid-sized companies, all working to create compelling knowledge leadership content for the web, white papers, blogs, and social media. And I'd like to talk with you, too, about how I can help and make a difference. To find out more, visit my website at cranegroup.com. That's C-R-A-I-N-E, cranegroup.com. I'm easy to find. Let's talk soon. You're listening to Everyday MBA. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Tiffany Bova. She suggested some rather fundamental changes in mindset and culture with high-tech sales. But how do you do it? Here are five action items to consider. Number one. Inventory your current process. This is a classic process improvement action item. It's difficult to improve a process without inventorying that process first, documenting how it works, not how we think it works or how we say it should work, but actually taking the time to understand the existing state of the process. So action item number one today is to inventory your current sales process. Understand what it is you're doing today. Um, and is it too linear, right? Are the metrics too tied to behaviors that no longer resonate with the potential buyers you're going after? Number two, close the gaps between sales, marketing, and development. As you heard during the interview, I am kind of shocked or surprised to learn that many organizations have a rather disconnected process and culture between sales and marketing and product development. In my view, that's a huge area for improvement. How can you expect to be successful in developing great products and having a great sales process if the sales organization isn't part of that development and that strategic planning discussion? It's all for nothing if you can't sell the products or services that you have or if your sales team isn't prepared or bought into the sale of that product. So action item number two is to close that gap. Tiffany says, we need to simply be smarter. How can we be smarter with these new kinds of leads that are showing up? And so sales and marketing has to get close to make sure that they're not just tossing 
prospect or client leads over the fence without any real wood behind the arrow of what to do. Number three, foster a connected model. Once you start to close that gap, it seems to me that we need to look for ways to sustain that over time. And that what we're talking about here is really a more connected model or process, or indeed a more connected organizational culture and approach. But what does that mean? Well, Tiffany describes it this way. Making sure that you have the right product targeted to the right customer through the right sales channel. If you're disconnected on any one of those two and you have the right product to the right customer with the wrong sales channel or the right sales channel and the right customer with the wrong product, it doesn't work. Number four, embrace the empowered consumer. It used to be that companies were in control of the information and education that customers could receive, and sales folks were in control of that cycle and that education. But as we heard in the interview today with Tiffany, things are much different. Indeed, most consumers already know a lot about you and your product and your service before they ever connect with you. So working on an old school model is just not going to work today. So Tiffany suggests one good action item is to work to embrace the empowered consumer. You have to get much smarter about who your customer is, IT, non-IT, uh, you know, buying an outcome or a service, buying a product, already know what they want, have no idea what they want, right? Customer has become such a fluid term now that uh, you can't just view your customer as you always have. And finally, number five, invest in sales skills, and that includes the culture and the approach. It was clear in my interview with Tiffany that she's talking about the driving need to invest in not only the skills of your sales staff, but also into the culture and approach within which they operate. Everybody's talking about customer-centric strategies these days, and, and, and I guess that's what we're talking about here, but perhaps even another layer further. Customer-centric to be sure, but also sales culture-centric as well. What kind of approach and culture do we engender, and how does that really help or hurt that customer-centric approach that we want to build overall? Here's one last comment from Tiffany. Investing in the skills of your sales force is very different than it used to be. You can't just say, I'm going to hire different kinds of people, train them differently, and use new tools, and it's going to fix my sales problem. Uh, sales is the last mile of a lot of decisions made ahead of them. So making sure that they are empowered um, and supported to do what's right for the customer, uh, I think, uh, goes a long way today. There we have our five action items for this week, things that you can do to immediately take advantage of the ideas and advice from Tiffany Bova. And I want to take this moment to thank all of you for listening. Everyday MBA was just named Most Educational Podcast for 2015 in the recent Podcast Paradise Awards. So thank you so much for listening. Do you want to help support the show? Well, one way to do that is to help us spread the word. Give us a shout out on social media or tell your friends and colleagues or simply subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever fine podcasts are found. You can find all the buttons and links at everyday-mba.com. That'll do it for this episode of Everyday MBA. Join me next time when I continue to talk with best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives, all sharing their best techniques and tips that you won't learn in business school. I'm your host, Kevin Crane. This is Everyday MBA. Thanks for listening. 
You've just heard an incredible interview and you've received five actionable steps that you can put in motion today and for the rest of the week. But there's much more to come. Visit everyday-mba.com slash iTunes to subscribe and leave your rating and review for the show. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode and you'll be on your way to gaining the success you've dreamed of. We'll talk to you next time on Everyday MBA. Everyday MBA.